Hello, everybody. My name is Dustin Pischel, and today's guest is Josh Pato. Josh is a stand-up comedian, actor, and podcaster. Josh is the host of one of the top comedy podcasts in the world, The Josh Pato Show. Josh is, Josh is also a regular on one of the top comedy podcasts, Your Mom's House. Josh was a main character in the movies Return to Nukem High Volume 1. And return to new. <laughs> Actually, that's a different Josh Potter there, but that's funny. That oh. Some people think that too. Yeah, I wasn't in any of those movies. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's okay though. That's funny, oh yeah. That's yeah. no, that's a that's a guy out of New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, I think he does comedy too. But there's there was at one time coming up in the world, I had another Josh Potter that I would mm-hmm. see on flyers and stuff oh. around the New York area, and I was like, oh my god, there's another Josh Potter. Uh, but yeah, he did. He's the one who did those movies. <laughs> yeah. So please welcome the amazing Josh Potter. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Did you know I'm Tom Rhodes? Do you know who that is? I know Tom Rhodes. I love Tom Rhodes. Yeah, yeah me too. So um, he, um, I'm Facebook friends with him, and something I noticed is like if you search him up on um facebook he's actually a, like he made f- he's friends with like other tom Rhodes. i think he just texted them yeah, like that's uh you know my, my friend tom segura he uh he had when he first made his twitter account he wanted to make it at tom segura mm-hmm. but somebody already had oh. it and it was a kid in, in england that oh. had it and so back in 2019 when we were doing the road together we went to europe and we did a show in London, and we had a night off. And at the time, Tom's movie, The Countdown, came out as like a horror movie, like a fun little horror movie. We actually went to watch the movie with that Tom Segura. Like oh. He invited that kid yeah. to the thing, and then we uh, then he gave him his Twitter name. He, he actually allowed him, they, sw- oh, cool. they swapped Twitter names. Was it an actual kid? Or was he just young? Well, he was a kid at the time, like back in back when Twitter began. Yeah, it, it was about you know two thousand nine or whatever. Oh. So when Tom went yeah. to go get it, so that that kid now, quote unquote, was twenty uh, something years old. So mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's so crazy. I actually had another guy, Tim Young, on my podcast, and I thought there would there was this other Tim Young who's a political person or something. So I thought they sure. would. And they looked exactly the same, so I thought they were the same person. Cause like I have problems with face recognition. So when the podcast started, I was like, oh, cause I got a close up on his face. I was like, oh, he looks a bit different. And then uh, I found out that they were two different people, and it just shocked me. Yeah, I have a different issue. I was just talking with my producer Kirsten inside. I have a problem with names where I I was talking about a guy who's a YouTube guy named Kevin Samuels. I was talking about him, but I kept saying Kevin Stevens out loud, even though I knew in my head Kevin Stevens was a defenseman for the New Jersey oh. Devils. I was I was still saying it out loud, yeah. and I have that, that's my I've learned at broadcasting that that is my uh, issue with my brain. It's less face recognition yeah. problems and more like remembering. Uh, like Steve or Sam or something like that. I'll screw that up every time. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember I actually thought Scene was a name. I was going to have Sean Grant on my podcast once. <laughs> and I was, and, uh, um, I was saying, oh, I'm going to have um, 
seeing Grant to my mom on my podcast, and then she just started laughing. I was like, did I do something funny? Should I write it down in my notebook? But no, it, it was just... I, I, yeah, so, um, I start off every episode by asking the comedian, what's the worst heckler you have ever had? Well, I've been lucky. I don't get a lot of hecklers, thankfully, and I haven't in a long time, but there was a time when I, uh, I, I started in Buffalo, New York, so I used to work out at their comedy club, Helium Comic Club, that's where I, like, learned how to do comedy, where I met people everything like that accelerated my career and in the first year of the club existing they had a con- they had a contest every year first contest i happened to win that one so i never had to do it again which was great but that meant in the subsequent years i had to host the contest and when you're hosting it what i found out through doing it is that at the end they need to tally up all the all the votes so they have to go around to the audience, collect all the voting cards, then some waiter or whomever has to go in the back and tabulate them. So this could take God knows how long, right? And when you do comedy, usually you're told, you know, yeah, five minutes, go up and do ten minutes, go up and do twenty minutes. This was go up until we're done, essentially. And so it could be question mark amount of time. So I was up there for, I don't know, it started getting to be about 20 minutes, 25. By this point, the crowd has already watched an entire contest worth of a show. They don't want to see me. They just want to know who won so they can go into me at all from jump, which was fine because I was just the host. But when you have to do that long of time, it's like, now I'm doing my act. And I remember they weren't even saying, like, anything to make fun of me. They were just like, get off stage. They were just, like, yelling. Like, they were just not happy having me on the stage anymore it just got like raucous to the point where i started getting like bad if with them because it's like i don't want to be up here either (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i wish they were done doing the math myself too and it just went back and forth but i remember getting off stage after that and being that that was the time that i felt the most sick to my stomach after doing any comedy since the very first time i did comedy i mean it was like the worst feeling in the world, just having an experience like that on stage where you're just, like, battling the crowd, like, quite literally, verbally. Yeah, um, you know, it's crazy, like, how, like, how many hecklers there are. I actually, I've had, like, a, I've had, like, one or two hecklers before. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, they're out there, but, I mean, uh, for the most part, like, when you, when you start doing shows at clubs that are, uh, pretty regulated in terms of like they have security people or they have staff there that can uh monitor those things you know it's one thing when people are just kind of shouting out to just want to like enjoy the show more that could happen but like an outright heckle should get shut down like the door guy should come right over and throw that guy out like i don't have any sort of like and i there are comics that like make their living off of heckler videos or whatever mm-hmm. but that's not what i'm trying to do i have an act yeah. i have like jokes i want to tell so it's like if a person's out of line if it's a good club or a proper club that person will get thrown out pretty quickly and you can move on pretty quickly too you know so i don't really like uh divulging in hecklers really or giving them the time of day because it's like no one's here to see you jeff in the third <laughs> row you know what i mean yeah um, yeah, he- like, it's sort of weird, like, hecklers will heckle anyone, they're just so, like, um, like, they, like, I was, like, I've gone to heckler when I was 12, I'm 13 now, and it's just crazy. Yeah, 
Like they don't care. Yeah, because the problem, the thing, the thing that a heckler is, is he's a person watching the show who really secretly wishes that he could be the one on the stage, and he has this insecurity about him where it's like, I need to make this about me. That's what a heckler is doing. They're making the show about them all of a sudden. And as a comic, and hopefully the place that you're doing comedy at, as a as a venue will recognize obviously no one's here to see that person or wants that person to talk so they'll shut that down right away and you know a comic can do that with a clip or you know shutting them down by making them embarrassed but for some of these people there is no level of shame they think now they're helping all of a sudden they think that they're doing a favor to the comic by helping them get laughs that's how like you know looney tunes some people are out there in the world but that's all just kind of comes with the racket you know what i mean it's part of the gig so you learn how to deal with it for the most part i would prefer it would be ideal to me to not have them in any capacity yeah um yeah it is sort of like there are some comedians that just love hecklers like jimmy Carter. like he'll actually ask the audience for hecklers like a lot of those right? um, comedians who are in, like, England and Australia, I don't know what it is with them, but they have, like, these microphones. Like, they don't hold a microphone. They have, like, a microphone coming that's, out that's of their... like, Britney you know. Spears. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and, like, uh, the Backstreet Boys or something. Yeah, and it's so odd, because a lot of times... because they're doing a lot of bags. They like doing act-outs. So I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that person is a very big act-out person. I don't know if Sebastian went to a headset... I think Sebastian got so good at doing his act-outs with a mic and a mic cord that he's like, prefers it that way. But yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, physical comedians go to the headsets. Uh, Chris Titus has a headset, even though he's not that physical, because I think he just likes to like pace back and forth like a lion or whatever on the stage. But yeah, I mean, uh, there are also comics, like you said, that invite hecklers because, and I'm not making any sort of disparaging uh, or trying to disparage their their thing in any way if that's the way that you can make your bacon more power to you but mm-hmm. I prefer to write jokes and uh, yeah. have them laugh at that than go in and go I hope the heck because you're inviting negative energy in a crowd mm-hmm. at that point yeah. it's, got, it's just not something that interests me in any way yeah um something like I do a lot of act outs but I like to use the microphone for it because um something sure. I saw is like you can incorporate the um, microphone into your act out like sam kennison yeah, he he would use the microphone as his penis like if he was doing like he had this bill clinton <laughs> joke and bill clinton would just be like out there and he would have his penis hanging out and telling something <laughs> so kevin hoy also did a joke with that and i have one joke where i i incorporate the microphone as a penis too <laughs> that's wild yeah. I feel like that's like illegal for crowds to hear you say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Um. Uh, Cat Williams. Um. He's great at like incorpor well incorporating stuff like that. I remember once I saw him. He was doing this joke about um the the like what was the guy that like just tackled tigers. Tackled who? Like there was this um guy um back in like the early two thousands and nineteen nineties who would just tackle tigers, like he would fight animals. Like the tiger can I what think no oh, not the tiger can. There was this no, there was this guy that like Oh yeah, oh, yeah the allig- the alligator um guy. 
Oh, Steve Irwin. Steve yeah, Irwin. Steve Irwin. So, and there was this... Sorry, yeah, you were uh, yeah. freaking out for a second. Yeah. There, uh, oh, sorry. So, Steve... Yeah, Ir- that's okay. Yeah. So, Steve Irwin would, like... um, I mean, Cat Williams, he would, like, do an act out of Steve Irwin, and he would, like, literally tackle the, like, mic... Not the mic stand. The little bench. The little, like, seat that can... The stool, yeah. Yeah, the stool. And, and then, like, it was crazy how he did it. Like... I don't even know how it was like acrobatics. You just like go up and down. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was great. Oh yeah, I mean these hump stools, he's done them, he's done everything in that store, of course. Yeah. Part of the part yeah. of the act. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me about your podcast, the Josh Potter Show? Yeah, I mean, I feel irresponsible. Uh, saying that you should watch it because uh, <laughs> it seems adult, but uh, you seem like you have a good head on your shoulders. Uh, but it's pretty, um, it's just me doing a show, man. I mean, it's like I grew up doing radio, and you know, every morning I, I used to be a part of the morning show, and we would talk about news, we talk about sports, we're just trying to make fun of everything and, and be funny. And um, now I've just kind of applied that to like an hour a week. Uh, type of a podcast, you know, every now and then I'll bring in a friend, a guest, uh, most of the time I just kind of do it by myself, and, uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it, man, you know, it's, uh, it's starting to grow and get bigger, and, uh, it was on your mom's house channel for a while, and now it's, uh, we've gone out on our own, and it's, it's, uh, sky's the limit, you know, yeah. so, I'm excited to see what's gonna happen, you know? Yeah, um, don't worry about the inappropriate thing, I've watched all 20, th- well, 24 seasons now of South Park, and yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figured, you know, I figured you know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy, because I was talking to my grandma once, and she was like, when I learned what a penis was, I was so much older than people nowadays. I was in, like, eighth grade. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, because, like, I, I don't, it's just crazy how, like. Well, you had the internet. She didn't. She had the find yeah. a penis in a book somewhere down the road, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sad, but it's also just, uh... It's funny. You know, it's a different time, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you, um, are one of the producers of your mom's house studios, and so how I, do you... I actually am not any longer, but I was in the yeah. for quite some time, but I... I uh, haven't been a, oh, I, I stopped being a producer once my show started on their, their um, channel, and uh, so, yeah, that was about a year ago, but I was a producer there from 2017 to 2020, I guess. Nice. Yeah, so, um, so how did you join your mom's house studios? Well, I, uh, it was, there was no Your Mom's House Studios at the time, but back in uh, 2013, I was mentioning I won that contest, mm-hmm. and when I won that contest at the club, they bumped me up to middle, so I could start middling instead of, of hosting. Mm-hmm. And so I started middling around and doing different places, but in Buffalo, they gave me a weekend with Tom Segura. Mm-hmm. At the time, Tom had put out a Netflix special or nothing, he had his podcast, and uh, that's how, you know, that was the first time we worked together, and after that, he was like, hey, will you come with me, to, with me to this place, or this place? And at the time, you know, it was just like it is when you're middling anywhere else, I was like, you know, I had a 
Now I had to start flying myself to gigs as opposed mm-hmm. to getting in my car and driving as far as I could go because these gigs were a little too far to drive. And so it kind of like upped my game. I got to go to clubs I never been before, stuff like that. And then doing a few of those, he started, you know, Netflix came out, the podcast grew, and then he started doing larger venues, theaters, things like that. And, uh, you know, more. so now it was like, hey, you don't have to pay for your flight anymore. Come on. So I did more and more of those things with him uh, as time went on because, you know, the tours, it's not like, when you do a theater tour, it's not really like a club where you show up and there's openers there, so you got to bring people with you. And he had already been bringing me to the clubs, so he started bringing me to the theaters. And uh, he had one tour where he told me uh, I, you could do the whole thing, but you have to move to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had lived in Buffalo, obviously, so I said, of course, and I moved. And, uh, you know, that tour ended, and there were no promises beyond that. I got a regular old job out here for the first time in my entire life. I had a job in an office for a few months. And then one day he just called me up. I was doing a podcast, uh, you know, just on my own. I don't even know how many listeners I had. I was just doing it to stay sharp. And he called me up and he was like, hey, I'm starting a podcast studio. Do you want to work there? And I was like, yeah, 100%. I mean, I just wanted to do anything to get out of my office job. And I wasn't getting as many road dates on the West Coast as I was on the East Coast, so anything was awesome like that. So I said yes, and um, I think I think if it, other than Tom and Christina, that Don is like employee number three, I was employee number four. Like I was the next person hired, um, technically, like in terms of like all the technological stuff and everything like that. I have no idea about anything. I can mix audio, that's it. But other than that, I was so out of my depth but Tom had me there as like a content guy and I did that for a while but um, you know eventually just naturally it came to the point of doing my own show so um, you know he's been making a podcast for over a decade now so he doesn't need a a content producer unless he wants one so once I was doing my own show it was like you know I'm a spinner off you know like it's like a bird leaving the nest you know but he's one of my best friends and he helped me get set up and everything and he comes on the show all the time and stuff so it's been fantastic but that's how well, that's basically how all that went down basically how my life changed at the end of the day yeah that is cool like um i've noticed that a lot of times in like comedians careers that everyone has that one thing that sort of was like that stepping stone for them for um, example, Angela Johnson, that viral video, Bill Burr, The Chappelle Show. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody has, you know, everybody either has that, like, one spark, or they have, you know, people who give them that spark, you know, and I was lucky that Tom, you know, for whatever reason, saw something that he enjoyed about me and wanted to help me while his career was going off, help me make mine go off, too, a little bit more. And um, everybody has somebody like that in their life that that is successful, you know. And it's funny when you hear other comics um, who don't have that happen to them complain about it. They're like, "Oh, you only got this because of this." It's like, how do you think things happen? You know, like that's yeah. you know. I mean, like uh, Joan Rivers had Johnny Carson. Like, uh, you can go down the line. Everybody has somebody that kind of plucked them at least gave him that first shot. You always have to yeah. take the baton and run with it after that, you know? 
Yeah, well, it's sort of like your fault if you don't search for a mentor or somebody to help you out. Because part of show business is connections. That's true. Networking is a part of it. And you know what? I'll tell you this, Isaac, because you're a young guy. You're going to get older and you're going to see things. Just be a decent hang. I can't yeah. tell you. Now that I've gone from being an opener to a headliner, I'm kind of connecting the dots, like, very recently in terms of the difference between a good opener and a bad opener and why I was able to progress, whereas I always wondered how certain people can. Because when you're a host on a show and you're doing 10 minutes, if you are, you can go up there and be the funniest host you ever were that ever existed. If you get the next comic's name wrong, if you forget to do what the club tells you as far as like announcements go, they're never going to have your back. Okay. You know what I mean? You could be the funniest kid in the world and the funniest guy in the world, girl, whatever, and they'll let, you know, you didn't do the job at the end mm-hmm. of the day. You know what I mean? It's really just set it up, get them laughing a little bit, but do the things that the club tells you to do as far as like, we have the website, blah, 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 whatever they want. You know what I mean? And that really goes a long way and then if you do get to the spot where you're a middle, you know, like Tom Segura didn't think I was like the next Richard Pryor or anything mm-hmm. like that. He thought I was funny and I was a good comic and everything. But at the end of the day, I didn't annoy the hell out of him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was a person who like was chill, wasn't up in the face of the headline. Like some of these people you see on the road, like, uh, you know, and now becoming friends with more headliners and stuff, you hear stories, just the like, you know, uh, just taking, just zapping energy from a person. You know how yeah. a person could sit down and just all of a sudden they're like, tell me how to do this with my career. Tell me how to do that. And it's like, this is, I'm about to go on stage for an hour. This yeah. isn't the time or place to do this kind of thing. You know what, what gets you further than anything is just uh, saying your hellos. If they invite you into a conversation, you, you engage. But for the most part, you just, you're like just the chillest person. And you just kind of act like a normal guy around him, like you're there to work. It goes such a long way. I can't tell you. Like Tom and I didn't. I didn't leave that weekend with Tom going like we're best friends now. I left it going like, well, that was a good weekend. And then that's how I got. Do you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like don't be in their face and be like, like it's sort of like when like, sort of a lot of people don't know how to like act when there's someone that like it like they admire around like they don't know like oh i want to be with them all the time it's sort of like that person like right. it's sort of like they're not a baby at a party you can't just like well, well you can't steal that's a baby a great from analogy, people a baby mm-hmm. at a party that's exactly they're doting over them like they're uh hovering over them like a baby at a party that's a great analogy yeah so um you um can you tell me about the time you fell in to a mo? I'm sorry. Um, so this is a story about the time that you fell into a moat. Could you tell me about yeah, that? I fell into Al, yes. I, um, I did Allie Makovsky's podcast, and she does a, a podcast in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. And uh, unbeknownst to me, surrounding this home was a moat. And mm-hmm. so uh, when, she, when I got there, it was nighttime, and the facade of the building was not like a fence it was a a wall so i thought we were walking you know into a home not into a yard and quite literally three steps from the door 
was a moat with like a, a concrete bridge over it. I had just stepped to the side so that I, so that like because I walked through the door first. I stepped to the side as one would in a situation when you walk into somebody's home, waiting for them to lead the way, if you will. And when I stepped to the side, I went right into the moats. And I had all my clothes on, everything in my pocket. It was very deep. And uh, she couldn't believe it. And uh, I couldn't believe it. But it turned out to be a fun podcast episode, that's for sure. Yeah. Um... Once, like, I don't know how I did it, but once when I was, like, five years old, I accidentally put my foot in a toilet. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going, uh, I'm not go I mean, I, I'm pretty blind, so that was, like, mm-hmm. probably had most to do with it in this situation. Mm-hmm. But also, it was very dark. I think somebody of sight might have fallen into the moat, not knowing there would be the possibility of a moat in that situation anyway, you know what I mean? How dark was yeah, it, though? Stepped into some weird stuff before, that's for sure. Yeah. How dark was the moat? <laughs> I mean, how dark was the moat? Oh, how deep was the moat? I'm I- sorry. I thought you said a hot diaper would be the worst. Oh. I would have agreed with that. <laughs> uh, the, the moat was a, was deeper than six feet for sure because I went fully under it. So. What? Like, oh my god, that's a pool. Yeah, I mean, it was a narrow pool, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I think they, I think whoever lived there used it as such, too. Like, it was attached to their pool or something, because it was chlorine. I could feel, obviously, in my nose and in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to have a moat now. Yeah, it was a pretty nice house, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Ellie, Mac- o- Ellie Makofsky it was? Yeah, it wasn't her house. It was just she doesn't tape her podcast there anymore. It was just the location she was taping her podcast at that time period. But Ali McCoskey's a great comic. She was um, she's been on Joe Rogan show. She opens for Rogan and uh, Andrew Santino, and she does a bunch of headlining dates and stuff like that. She'll, what what comedy club are you near that you go to most often? Like, um, uh, well, Boston. Um, yeah, I'm in the Boston area. Um, I did on um, this doing the virtual stuff. I became a regular, and um, I did some showcases for this. Um, Where was that? Um, well, I didn't d- hear what you so d- during COVID, um, when it was vo- when a lot of comedy was virtual, I did a, a virtual stuff for this comedy. Well, it's not really a comedy club; it's becoming one. It was a startup. It's sort of a startup right now, and I would do showcases okay. for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, Lack Boston's a great club, too, and I don't know what their open mic situation is or whatever, but uh, you should check that out, uh, out that way, too. Great club to hang out in. I don't remember why. I, there was a reason I asked you about Lack Boston. Oh, I'm oh. saying, oh, because I think Allie's performing there. Or she did oh. or something like that. But. Yeah. Yeah, I want to, um, like, um, go to those clubs and... They might have some. Yeah, it's tough when they have rules about the eighteen twenty one situation. Yeah. But if they, there are some cool managers out there. I will tell you. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I started late, way later than you. I was twenty two, so mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with this. But there are some cool places that, if they know, you know, you're performing, you're not drinking, you just like, they'll let you do it. But some places get a little nervous because you know, if you're around comics or something, they might pass you a beer or something weird like that. So. They, they get a little up in their own butts about it, 
Yeah. But I, uh, but I, I think it, I remember a, a, there was a kid named Austin something back when I was in Buffalo and he would come around and there was some places he could do, some places he couldn't do. And there was another kid named John Shoot, a very funny comic, who's mm-hmm. in New York, I think now. But he, I remember the day he was allowed to come do our bar show. It was like his 21st birthday. We're like, finally, you've been doing comedy three years, you can come do yeah. Big Bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Like, I do like Stoughton. Um, I'm actually going to be on a... I've never gone to perform at an actual comedy club, but I'm going to be on TV pretty soon. Um, that's great. Yeah, not yeah, like... look at that. That's quite yeah. jumping the steps there. Yeah, you. I think um, it's this TV network. Um, it's called Comics Corner, where they have young comics. I don't know how young. I assume I'm probably younger. I assume it's probably like 20 year old people but i don't know for sure so will that be your first time performing in front of an audience um i've performed in uh, in front of audiences before well this is actually um i'm gonna have my own episode which is already clips nice. of my stand-up comedy combined oh cool. yeah i think the reason it's not in person is because it's in like one of those states like farm states where there aren't a lot of people yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird out there now. You know, some places, every place is different than everywhere else. We've got to learn all the rules and everything. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's so weird because the pandemic. Well, it didn't stop, but like in June and everything, and in July, like it was going like it was like like how it was in a lot of times even better than it was at the beginning, like the very yeah. very beginning. But then all of a sudden it just started going again. So it feels like. Where so it feels like a new pandemic in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's uh, keeps cranking up a couple notches, but so far my shows have uh, haven't been canceled. I remember last year when they were canceled, that was rough, rough stuff. But so far, nothing. Everything's still uh, scheduled, and no one's said anything. It's just like you know, precautions, masks, vaccines, mm-hmm. stuff, all that. So so far, so good. I keep my fingers crossed because I don't want to ever do that. Yeah. 2020 nonsense again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something like it was some good joke material though. Co- COVID in 2020. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think people are. I think a lot of people are exhausted about talking about it. So we'll see how long it lasts before it becomes the new airplane food or what have you. Oh yeah. Well, that's gonna suck. Cause I had a, I had this really good bit on like how I hated staying inside. Like, it was like this five <laughs> minute bit. Um, so that... Well, ride it out, good. ride it out until you can't use it anymore. You'll, yeah. know, you'll know when it starts to get stale. You'll yeah. Think, you'll, you'll know the difference. So, um, um, uh, okay, next question. So, um, so, can you tell me, um, can you tell me the story of how the Voach Hotel was renamed to, to the Josh Potter show? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... Really, um, we named it the Roach Motel, which we liked. And I wanted, I wanted to name it the Josh Potter Show from the beginning. Which, you know, we thought like, oh, it should be something unique or whatever. So I named it Roach Motel. And then there's like some things already. Companies called Roach Motel or have, have property, like basically copyright stuff. And my podcast became kind of popular out of the gate, yeah. and they wanted, you know 
to make trouble about it. So instead of like making any issue with, with anything, I uh, just changed it. I was like, and then I was like, I wanted to call it this at the time, so let's just mm-hmm. fucking call it this. Sorry, I swear, I don't even swear. But uh, I was like, let's just call it this, and that's where we went. But I still use it, but I just don't put it on any brand or anything like that, you know? Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, um, like, there was a lot of stuff, um, about that. I remember I saw this article about five things about Josh Piter, five things to know about the Roach. I don't know why it was just called that. Really? There's an article about that? Yeah, I don't know. Were you called the Roach? Like, did you call yourself the Roach? Christina named me the Roach. She was the first one to call me that. Okay. And uh, it just kind of stuck, so that's why we made it the Roach Motel. That's why uh, we kind of went out with it. But she always used to call me that because of my living habits. She would just call me. She was calling me the Cockroach. And then it just kind of got abbreviated. So Christina Zitsky is the, is the reason that it is. Yeah, um, so... What else did that article say? Was there anything else there that I should know that would say about me? Um, <laughs> well, I think, um, I think they, um, I remember that tour of your house, and then, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's my, where they've gotten it from. I mean, you're sick. Okay. Yeah, there was, oh, yeah. oh, you know what it yeah. was, um... Shaving. Was it an article or a video? Because there was a yeah. top, we do, when you do, when you do a guest spot on your mom's <laughs> house... They do a video after it called the top five, so that might be oh. um, what, what that is. But I don't know if there's an article, I should find it. But yes, no, I did um, through COVID. It's the, it's my most regrettable piece of content. I'll do pretty much anything for content, but uh, this one in particular, I have just been, you know, I talked about it on Doctor Drew, so like that. COVID put me after losing all my comedy dates and like really feeling purposeless and like depressed and uh like severely depressed and then doing some drugs and uh drinking and things like that i just felt i just was like done i felt worthless or whatever and my room just became like unbelievably dirty like it was ridiculous and so like i I just like would lament in that and work basically and they're like you should just hire a maid to clean it i'm like i am too embarrassed to the level of which it got to hire even somebody to come do it and it's just like was overwhelming plus i was also just like covid depressed like you wouldn't believe i had just had well i'll finish this and i'll tell you why i was even more depressed but like it was just the worst i like i just started headlining my tour got canceled i was uh supposed to shoot a specials all this other stuff everything's gone so i just didn't care and then i when tom was like i will pay somebody to come do it mm-hmm. Uh, and have it all cleaned or whatever. Do you want to make a video on it? I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's content and make money off of it. And I said, sure, because, like, that's really the best way to get me to do anything is co- to make it content, like, inspire me to make it content or whatever. So I did it. Mm-hmm. And now, like, everyone thinks that's just how I live forever. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, my room forever. And um, they forget the part that it was, like, no, I spiraled into, like, the deepest depression of my life. Uh, but, you know, that's people see that as like the first impression so that kind of it also doesn't um hurt things when it comes to like the roach brand or whatever yeah. too so i'm not like a, that opposed to it but it is something where i wish i like reiterated to people mm-hmm. like this is a unique situation and i was in like a very bad place but mm-hmm. i also um 
there was like that pin I put into that story. Oh shoot, what was it? Why didn't what was I to say why I was more depressed? Yeah, um to, uh, special I can't remember, but there was another reason why I was in Oh, because I had um I had just come off like the best road run of my life. I was oh, in Europe. No. I had come home, I did the South. I opened up for Tom's Netflix taping. We did shows in Vegas when Rogan was there and watched me and then like went on his podcast and said how great of a comic I am. Like all these like things where I'm like, Oh my god, this is like my life is just like and then all of a sudden COVID happened and I was just circling the drain. Like I thought it was I thought everything was over. I thought everything was done. I'm sorry about that, but I think like um uh, they're probably gonna do the special for you again because like you don't just oh, like. Oh no! Yeah, everything. Yeah. That's the thing. Everything turned out just fine. I'm gonna do that still. The road dates are coming back. It was just in that moment, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel weird saying this to a to a child. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't mean to demean you and call you a child, but you're 13. Yeah, I know. I've I've felt like I mean, and I'm and you lived through something that no matter how old you are we all went through this crazy thing that no one's ever experienced before and so i was at the stage where i really wasn't i i I had convinced myself somewhere pessimistically that this was like where it ends like this is how it ends or whatever Mm -hmm. and you know after they said two weeks and it was months and then it was like next year and all this other stuff i was like really in a bad spot but um I'm happy to be where we are. Like, now that we're out of it, it's actually changed me to be, like, more happy and, like, um, what's the word? Like, well, grateful and thankful for when I do have dates. Like, I'm having more fun on the road than I've ever had in my entire life because I'm just making every show feel like it's the last one, you know? Yeah, um, like, I uh, used to go through depression. Like, I used to be bullied, but I don't now because I have famous people on my podcast, so that's fun. <laughs> so, um... That's a great way to not get bullied anymore. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, they're like, oh, you're a midget, oh, you're ugly, oh, f you, I have a podcast, I know famous people, so. <laughs> I used to get, I used to get the short things all the yeah. time. It doesn't. It's such a low level. I even looked back at it even then, and I was just like, yeah, I'm short, so what? Like, yeah. it would bother me, but like, it's 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 gonna be so funny, dude. When you look back after you get to and after high school, and then you start seeing what those people do with their lives. Yeah. It's gonna, that's the ultimate, uh, ultimate bullying. Yeah. That you get to see them being in a couple of years. It is sort of weird, like, um, so, um, the thing is, like, what was I gonna say? A lot of these people, like, some kids get bullied over the smallest things, like, just cause they are short. And then other kids, like, will say some of the most racist, homophobic stuff. And nothing happens oh, to yeah. them. It's it's like it's so weird. Like, like I don't know why. So they're, still it looks like that. That, they're still doing all that in the playground, anyhow. Huh? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I got bullied for my glasses for being short. <laughs> we didn't have. I don't. I didn't hear much of racism and stuff growing mm-hmm. up. That's why it was always so weird. Kids would say the words mm-hmm. and say like homophobic stuff. But not, like, in a mean way to try and, like, hurt yeah. somebody. They would say them, like, you know, just to their, to, like, another guy. Like, the guy they were saying it to wouldn't be a gay guy. You know what I mean? It yeah. would just be, like, they would call them that. And so it wouldn't really mean anything in a, in a teenager's mind, like, as far mm-hmm. as racism. Like, 
nobody was like that black person is this like they would just say the word maybe like to be shocking or something because like you know their parents say you can't say it's like that whole thing you know like i'm not allowed to so i'm gonna do it kind of thing that was more so what i had heard as a kid than really anything thrown at like somebody you know what i mean yeah um some kids like at school like it's so odd how some kids are like mature and other kids are just like complete wackos there was this kid who tried to kick me in the face for no reason he tried to he he like said that he had sex with my mom he was just like he was wild (laughs) so then i so then i was like oh well you look like a girl because of your hair and then he just went ballistic even though, like, he was—he just said the harshest stuff to me, but when I make fun of his you hair... Know, you know, it would be so a hilarious comeback to him having saying he had sex with your mom. It would be hilarious if you were my age or, like, an older guy. It would be the funniest thing in the world, but I'm sure it wouldn't help your case. If you were like, I had sex with your dad, <laughs> that, would fuck you. that would be so funny to adults and, and demeaning to a person. That would be so funny. But he would... I'm sure it's tough to get over for a 13-year-old yeah. crowd. They wouldn't understand the nuance of how funny that is. They would just say, like, oh, yeah. no, it would make it worse for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, every year... <laughs> if you said that in a, the comedy... If you said that at the comedy store, everyone would think you were yeah. hilarious. Oh, do you go to the comedy store a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. The comedy store is so cool, like... Because there's, like, so many... It's just, like... A lot of times at comedy clubs, there aren't that many, like, celebrities. They have Joe Vogan go there. It's insane. They have some of the best comics. Yeah, I mean, uh, L- L.A., New York, all those places, uh, you know, the cellar, the stand, New York. Uh, here, you got the improv, you got the comedy store, the Laugh Factory. I mean, it's that's that's why you move to those places, so that you can go and do those, like, asc- asc- ascend to do those shows, so that you can get better and iron sharpens iron and all that yeah some people that like do it a, a lot is oil skakel and um what laura beats they're doing it like yep. once or twice a week yeah earl has been at the store for a while he's been mm-hmm. been passed there for quite some time laura just got passed right before mm-hmm. uh COVID, actually she was a, a fun story like she was doing a development spot late at night I think, and then I think Bert and Joe Rogan were watching mm-hmm. her, and she was killing them and laughing at them. And then, you know, they were like, "Hey, what's going on with her?" And she got past like pretty, pretty quickly thereafter, and mm-hmm. she's been killing it ever since. One of my um, uh, like, who are some of what comedians have inspired you? Uh, my favorite comics are. I mean, I would say like my. The guy who inspired me to want to, like, be funny or whatever was Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. But I'm nothing like Jim Carrey at all. I'm not even, a, like, an actor, let alone. I mean, and he did stand-up, but our stand-up couldn't be any different from one another's. But my favorite comics are Bill Burr, Louis C.K., David Spade. Those are my, I would say, my three. If I had to make a Mount Rushmore, my fourth mm-hmm. one, I would just put Tom Segura on it because of the fact that he's taught me so much about every other aspect of his business that uh and he does it to a level in which uh so many wish they could strive to so i would put him above my mount rushmore as well yeah um one comedian some of the comedians that inspired me or who i saw of like um there are certain like um traits that i want some of the comedians i want to have is 
I like George Colin a lot. Um, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. Sorry, I was uh, just saying uh, the plan and lunch. Yeah. From, uh, okay. Got him on your program, right? Wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hold on one second. I'm just going to get off my Bluetooth here and set this. Okay. Is everything better? Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Sorry, I'm just thinking about that thing you, you said earlier about having sex with your dad. All right, there we go. Try okay. again. Talk again. Okay, yeah. Sorry for laughing just go. now. I was thinking about the thing you said about having sex with your dad. Okay, so... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, did you say something about Ryan Seacrest? Did I say something? Oh, no, I said Ryan... I said, uh... The, the reason I was waving over there before was Ryan Sickler's here. He was asking me if I wanted lunch. And I was oh, saying, cool. No. I, I was just... saying, you had Ryan Sickler on your show. Yeah. Said, right? Is he still right there? No, he's inside. We're at the studio. We were doing some studio bullshit today. So oh, that's amazing. He, uh, he was just popping his head out here, but he is, he's, he's running around. Yeah. Ryan Sickler. Oh, oh, my God. That was a funny podcast. Um, a lot of the comedians... Like I like to have on my podcast are the people who like like will swear even though I'm 13. That's just because a lot of times like they're the funnier like they say the funniest stuff because they don't care really. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I, I uh, I'm trying not. I'm trying my. I'm, I'm I did radio for 20 years, so mm-hmm. I feel like I can talk without swearing. But like it has been difficult. I will say it's yeah. not a matter of me like thinking that you're not. At first, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I, I just feel it. it's more of a me thing. I feel weird swearing to a child. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm not around. Ryan has kids, so he knows mm-hmm. how to, like, uh, talk to him and stuff. I'm, I don't, so, so many 13 year olds I come across. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, uh, um, so yeah, it's fine. Um, um, my, um, Anna and her husband, they don't have kids. So, like, they don't really swear around me, but, like, I can, uh, well, they do sometimes. Like, they don't, like, I just hear them, they just randomly say shit, and they were like, oh, I meant coin. It's so weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, what studio are you at right now? Uh, we're at our podcast studio oh, doing, cool. uh, doing stuff for our podcast. We tape out of the same studio, so, oh. um, we were just, we just had some, uh, had to do some, like, rearranging some lights yeah. and some other stuff like that so we're we're just making sure everything's like main line so we don't have to like move things around and everything's a little organized yeah. so we just spent a couple hours today doing that yeah that's really cool so um you were one of the um so yeah i already did that question so what are some of the craziest stories you have um like where's the question sorry um this is a question i do a lot so i should have it on here um, what's some of your craziest stories from being on the road? Well, those, I feel like you need parental guidance mm-hmm. to get into a movie to find some of those stories <laughs> for uh, rated R type stuff, but I mean, it's not, it's nothing crazy. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there are nights where 
you feel like a rock star, you're getting mm-hmm. drunk with girls, you're doing nice. drugs. You're, oh, not nice. You know, you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is part of it or whatever. And then, you know, I'm just, I'm just painting the picture. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're hanging out with girls and, you know, those things can, some people, for those stuff, for some people, those things get out of hand and they yeah. let them encompass them and put them into a whirlwind for some of us mm-hmm. we pick and choose our moments and we do them and uh some nights it's just back to the hotel and in watching uh whatever's on hbo mm-hmm. you know but um we're watching sports center a thousand times you know mm-hmm. so they go back and forth Oops, sorry about that That's yeah just my oh it's fine um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it, it, it can go either way as far as i mean the craziest stuff is just it's stuff that's not like flattering for me you know what oh, i mean it's okay. like like i said drugs and girls and stuff like that that stuff gets crazy mm-hmm. it's not something i i would sit here and try and brag about it <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean but um but it, it gets it, you know i i would say i'll say this how about this i was talking okay. about the, the right before covid this is a pretty crazy road story that it doesn't mm-hmm. involve debauchery um <laughs> So we were in Vegas, where you think debauchery would occur. Yeah. But it was me and Tom doing a show at the Mirage, and Joe Rogan was in town doing UFC, and Joe Rogan invited us to dinner, so we went to mm-hmm. dinner with him, and then he came to the show after dinner and watched my set. I mean, it was crazy. He complimented mm-hmm. me. I, I couldn't believe it. It was just like, yeah. you know, it for for, I don't even give a shit like as far as him as like a top tier comic compliment mm-hmm. to me it's just like the guy that like Host is a kingmaker yeah, yeah he's, the guy who like made people's careers thinks I'm funny that's mm-hmm. not a terrible thing and so the next day he took us to lunch and at lunch he's like my friend's coming is that okay if I'm more like of course it's okay who gives a shit and mm-hmm. it was Tulsi Gabbard and you're like what I'm having lunch with Tulsi Gabbard like how crazy is that and then after that, he let us go to the UFC event, which started, like, shortly thereafter. And we were sitting, like, right, you know, where the people that know Joe Rogan sit, like, right next yeah, to, like, nice. the cage and shit, you know? So it was, uh, that was probably the craziest road experience of my life. And then COVID happened 17 days later. Yeah. Yeah, I remember doing the beginning of COVID, like, well, the, like, the first, uh, second day COVID was announced. We were staying at a hotel, and we didn't really know how bad COVID was because it was just like, it was so brand new. So, um, um, uh, like, and then we heard about like that restaurants got shut down, and we thought it was crazy. But the time now, it doesn't seem as crazy. Of yeah. course, yeah. I mean, now we're conditioned to it, mm-hmm. and almost the opposite seems crazy, right? Like yeah. the first time I sat down in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And didn't have to wear a mask. I was like, what is going on? This is nuts. Yeah. So, um, thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast. And before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug or any social media you'd like to link? Uh, well, people can follow me on Instagram at Josh underscore Potter. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at J underscore Potter. Watch my podcast every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the YouTube channel is just the Josh Potter show. And, um, yeah, I just want to say to you, thanks for being such a pro, and I'm sorry that my flights and everything got so messed up, oh, it's and fine. I had to schedule a couple of times, so I wanted to say sorry to you as well before mm-hmm. we log off. No problem. Yeah, so, um, 